Welcome back to Desert Rain Community Radio. Today's episode is uh, one from the series entitled Dispatches from the Verge. And I sit down with David Morrison and we uh, discuss and go over some questions that uh, are commonly encountered uh, when you live in a community in the middle of the desert. Uh, The fact that it's not a cult situation, uh, what it's like to live out here, for the families, uh, how, how to be invited to live out here. Uh, we discuss ownership and just a bunch of other uh, little things that we've encountered throughout the years as far as people being interested in what life is like here. But before we get into that, big thank you to Tiffany Davis from tmdfineart.com. Uh, apologies on this. She let us use one of her paintings as a as cover art for our episode two weeks ago everyday mysticism and so we're giving her a shout out here and thanking her for allowing us to do that once again you can find her art at tmdfineart.com thank you diego at recording moving studios he does all the editing and sound engineering on every one of our episodes thank you to jacob at monk drums that's what you hear in the intro and outro he is the creator of of that the ruin.com is where you can find out more about desert rain community especially after hearing this episode if you're curious go find more information there drcr pod is where we have or excuse me drcrpod.com is where we have all our past episodes so uh deep dive into that if you'd like if you enjoy what you're hearing please tell a friend Word of mouth and social media really helps us out. We appreciate you, and let's get into it. Welcome back to Desert Rain Community Radio. Dispatches from The Verge, starring David Morrison. The Verge, the brink, the edge. The desert. As Lady Gaga would say, I'm on the edge, the edge, the edge. The Edge. <laughs> That's our best Lady Gaga. We're not going to sing because yeah. we would, our, uh, probably our mics would break. Ruin a great song. Um, so to, on today's episode, I would say after, living out here for three months now. <laughs> <laughs> With three months? Or, or three years. Three years, wow. Uh, living out here for three years and obviously losing track of time. You need to rethink your life. You've been out here three years. It, this month. There's help for things it's like this. June, June 2018, man. Wow. was the big moving date. And so yo- the young man destroyed the best <laughs> years of his life. He's, he's pr- he retired in his prime. Uh, but but one of the things I've encountered, and, and we're, we're going to kind of uh, explore this today, but it's hard to explain Desert Rain Community. Yeah, difficult. And <clears throat> there's a bunch of preconceived notions in the world that automatically get applied to a place when you say, I live in a community or I live with a group of people in close proximity in the middle of the desert. <laughs> <laughs> it just, just has uh, all the trappings of bad things to happen. Right. Yeah. And so... We're just going to do a, a sort of frequently asked question type show today. Um, I'm going to present some question, a couple questions to you. Um, you, I know you have some that you've encountered regularly, but yeah. um, I think I think the most pressing one 
and the and people have said it towards you hatefully, but sure, it's yeah. it's an important one. But is Desert Rain a cult? And wow. if if yes, how so? And if no, how so yeah. to that? Well, the problem when you ask someone that question, a cult is always going to deny that they're a cult. <laughs> That's the immediate. Yeah. <laughs> Are you an alcoholic? No. <laughs> denial is the first. <laughs> He's in denial. He's denying it, everybody. So, uh, yeah. So I would have to define some markings of a okay. cult, which unfortunately would resemble a lot of mainstream evangelical Christianity. So well, I, uh, I don't even think. Oh, I went there. I don't even think just mainstream. <laughs> I think you could just go with Christianity. So I think uh, I would say a strong authoritarian uh, leadership okay. would, would mark a cult. And we strive to not have that uh, as a pastor of a, you know, of a, a, a regular local church. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a lot more authority invested in that than I realized Oh, so you're talking about you're talking about from your personal yeah, experience. Yeah, it was not good. Okay, I, I didn't realize it, and so so when we structured ourselves in a community, uh, I had to relinquish a lot of that because of that. Mm. And so we have moved kind of naturally, kind of organically, uh, with some intention towards a uh, we hope a more egalitarian group. And again, it's a Quaker. Idea. So we're trying to make a decision on something, something very simple. Mm-hmm. Should we add another well? You know, so, some kind of decision like that. Should we change the company that we use to pick up our garbage? Mm. And so we're going to make a decision like that and, and we'll discuss it. And if we can't come up with a, uh, a consensus, then we'll just table it usually. Come okay. back three months later and see how we feel. Right then, and 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 so it's yeah, it's so so authoritarianism. So we, I definitely shy away from that. Uh, so in that sense, we're not a cult, right? Uh, what would be another cult? I guess conformity mm. would be. Uh, but we we've chosen that was an intentional decision at the beginning when we were looking at uh, taking monastic vows, which, which we could do an episode on that, I right. suppose. Yeah, that would be a good uh, idea. We don't talk about it much lately, and maybe it's something even in our personal lives we should revisit. Revisit it. Even, even myself, I don't think about it that much. Mm-hmm. But we did. We took monastic vows, the, the core group here, and we did a, an actual ritual ceremony. Mm. And when we were writing those vows and uh, – we chose to go with diversity. Each person mm-hmm. would discern which vows they would take, whether they were traditional monastic or everybody was married, so nobody could really take a celibacy right. vow. Or maybe well, if it- you get married, maybe you become a celibate. <laughs> I was some would say it's the joke. I was just about. It's like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> From what I hear, <laughs> uh, we'll be here all week, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Tip your waitresses. <laughs> Uh, so we, yeah, so we chose a community of diversity on purpose. Okay. Uh, and almost, it, it was intentional, but it was also accidental kind mm. of thing. We didn't realize that that was going to make a big difference. So we so we choose that. And, and yes, it is messier in, in the organizational kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but we choose to not form community over conformity, everyone being alike, everyone having the exact same 
right. beliefs and values and that kind of thing. Um, so we, uh, so we chose diversity. Well, and from my, you know, well, I mean, I, I live here, but also just as an observer before living here, um, it seems as though that's kind of what helps um, Desert Rain to continue on and to thrive, so to speak. Yeah. Is that there are so many different uh, outlooks, talents, um, yeah. you know, ways you can sort of contribute to the the community and, and um, you know, and I think that for me personally, that was one of the things that was sort of appealing is the fact that everyone is so different. Yeah. Um, yeah, it makes no sense on the surface, does it? No, it, it really, like, logically it doesn't, yeah. but once you've spent some time here, it, it obviously is is the way Somehow it should it, be. Yeah, it works. It's, I'm amazed by it yeah. that we've been able to, I mean, it's almost 20 years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cynthia Bourgeau from the Living School uh, said, she was talking about the desert, the desert uh, mothers and fathers. Mm-hmm. And she said, you know, protests will might drive you to the desert. You know, mm-hmm. they may have been protesting right. the Roman Empire right. taking over Christianity, but but protests will not sustain you in yeah. the desert. And so, yeah, almost 20 years. Um, and yet, yeah, the Steele family and the Morrison family are worse. It, it just shouldn't work. We're mm-hmm. just so different from one right. another. <laughs> it's, and it, you guys are so different, the four... <laughs> Of you, and then obviously the kids too, but it's almost comical it how different you all sense. are. And <laughs> it's like, uh, not a, a miracle, but it's just sort of a beautiful thing to observe yeah. that it has worked and you guys have maintained your friendship. And we don't and, know how. Yeah. Right. He's, he's a, he's a dirty capitalist and I'm a, <laughs> and I'm a filthy commie <laughs> and somehow it we're just on the opposite extremes on so many things but maybe we're not as you know on the surface maybe you know well Uh, and i i think so i think on the surface level yeah probably but your guys's um sort of the brotherhood in the sense of like unconditional love and like how much you care about each other those are our values yeah that it's those are obviously deeply rooted yeah and you guys are just you know you've you've made peace with the surface level stuff yeah, knowing that sort of the root level stuff is yeah. intertwined in a, in a very definitely uh, divine and loving way. Exactly. So, <clears throat> so conformity yeah, is not so part of it. Authoritarianism kind of, is is not. Yeah, um, I don't have an outline for this. Just, I didn't know right, you were going to ask me this. So. <laughs> <laughs> so this is off the fly. Yeah, I think it shows. Um, uh, uh, maybe a third one would be. Um, uh, I, I would think a lot of cults are very apocalyptic. Mm. They're very in, uh, engaged with what they th- they think uh, some sort of end times mm-hmm. event is going to occur. Yeah, if I if I think of like Jim Jones, Heaven's Gate, right, all of those, yeah, uh, Branch Divinian. Evangelical Christianity. Uh, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's my act. <laughs> He's a little spicy today. Yeah, I had I had <laughs> two donuts. <laughs> I had two donuts today and, and caffeine. And um, so with heart medication. So yeah. So the uh, apocalyptic outlook. Yeah. So almost an antagonistic mm-hmm. worldview. Uh, the outside world is is going to get you, and we need to protect ourselves from this outside world. So we've we've we have an opposite view of that. Even even as a younger 
preacher uh, in time. It just, that never hooked me. Mm-hmm. I never really believed in that kind of corniness. Uh, the Left Behind series, I, I thought that stuff was just really stupid. And uh, no offense to anybody out there, but you should get educated. Uh, or read it as fiction. And as a young preacher, I used to have to remind the church that, mm. that you know, the series is fiction. Right. You know, and, and there's this whole set of books called Lord of the Rings that you might like even better since you <laughs> like fantasy. You may as well go with good fantasy. Yeah, well-written. Uh, yeah. Well-written fantasy. Foundation trilogy, or <clears throat> not trilogy, Foundation series by Isaac Asimov. Something like that, you know, might be. But anyway, yeah, so, so there, yeah, so there's this view, but we... In our consensus here, you know, we uh, I've never personally uh, been hooked by mm-hmm. any kinds of end times uh, theologies and, and uh, mythologies, really. They're not really theologies, they're mythologies. Um, as early as the second century, someone as straight-edged as Augustine was saying, Christ returns every year at Advent, Christ mm-hmm. returns every day in the Eucharist, that is the second coming. If you want to know who the Antichrist is, look in the mirror. You know, Augustine was saying that stuff, you know, way in the early centuries. Right. And so it's just, it's not something I've been interested in. I'm interested in the present life. Uh, the way I read Jesus' teaching on the kingdom of God, it's present here and mm-hmm. it's present now. And uh, so I've been focused on that quite a bit. And the community uh, as well. Yeah. And I, and I credit uh, my mentor uh dale walker was he was he's unusual in that because he's an evangelical charismatic uh you know in that tradition Mm -hmm. and is very true to it and he never emphasized that kind of stuff i don't remember him ever all the years when i was a young man right he he didn't it it just he was you know had a pastoral view these people that are here and now have needs in their lives Mm. and it's it's not uh the world's going to be destroyed and right. Jesus is going to come back. Well, so, yeah. And I don't want to spend too much time on this, but it, but it seems like a good topic that wouldn't fit in a full show. But why do you think people are so captivated by this yeah. end of times? Cells. Yeah. But why? I mean, obviously, but I, I don't, I don't quite understand. I, I think it's the allure of it. I think one, there there was a movement called the Jesus People Movement in the 1970s that was a worldwide movement. And the emphasis was Jesus is returning any day now. And so there was a large generation of boomers. And they're the biggest generation. I think they're still the biggest generation. Are they or no? I I, I I could be wrong. Numerically, I believe so. Yeah, Yeah. and influential on the culture. And I think they're... uh, they were the youth, the young generation. I believe it was the monkeys. Uh, and I believe you have some thoughts about the monkeys concerning the Beatles, no? <laughs> the monkeys are the greatest band ever lived. Yeah, they, it, it's proven. They, they influenced the Beatles. <laughs> Deeply. <laughs> but anyway, uh, uh, do we have to give credit to that? That's not our own comedy. Yeah, thing. that's not our, our joke. <laughs> that would be uh, dumb and dumber. <clears throat> but anyway, um, uh, yeah, so, so they were the youth generation. They were marketed. That was marketed to them. That became their identity. And the so, Jesus people or the youth generation? The, yeah, the, both. They're the it's same. one and the same. Okay. And okay. So, so those two things. And so now they're dealing with growing old. They're in their 70s. Mm-hmm. They're all dying. And, and they didn't plan for death. <laughs> they didn't plan for gro- growing old and catching heart disease and et cetera. And, and so 
so I think they're the, uh, in their inability or, or unwillingness to deal with their own personal death mm. that uh, that it becomes this apocalyptic antagonistic view. Interesting. I, I think a lot of it is that, and a lot of in our culture, what well, is death phobic, right? Yeah, American culture, for yeah, sure. yeah for sure. And so yeah, hundred percent. And it seems to me too, it's almost like a a conspiracy theory type thing, like. Yeah. You have inside knowledge. Yeah, that too. Like on this date, at this time, in exactly. this place, it's going to be the end of the world. And then, you know, yeah. and time after time, that date and time and place continue on. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when I was in the hospital last summer, uh, the main nurse came on shift. So she's, you know, introducing herself to me and we're talking. And, she, and so she's like, so you're a, she had, you know, she asked me. So I said, yeah, I'm a, I'm a semi-retired pastor kind of thing. And she's like, do you think we're in the end times? And I told her, no, actually, no, I don't. This so, is just the beginning. And she was like, she wasn't having, she said, no, we are in the, we are in the end times. And I was like, I said, we are and we aren't. Yeah. The end times started uh, with the resurrection. And so it's the, the great age of the resurrection. And she was, she wasn't having it though. She mm. said, no, it's the antichrist is out there. And I remember being a little kid in the seventies on, on the playground at Dolphin Terrace, uh, the Antichrist is a little kid just like us, and uh, but he's but he's in Iran, you know? <laughs> right? And and he's but he's just he's our age and he's growing up and he's gonna become the Antichrist. <laughs> he's on. Uh, he's moving just, on up, as they say. Yeah, and it's just yeah, conspiracy theories yeah. and mythologies. It makes you feel more important than you are. Mm. Uh, it's because so if you're unwilling to deal with your own smallness. And your own insignificance and your humanness, then uh, you're always looking for something to make you part of this grand cosmic uh, thing, which mm -hmm. you are. You already are. You yeah. don't need a story but to, you don't need to the, put you in there. Yeah, and you don't need to have a, an enemy to to wow. prop yourself up. And so, and and I remember, I can't remember exactly. It was within the last decade, but. Um, our good friend, or my good friend, I guess he's your friend too, Randy Harris. Oh, yeah. Um, he would set up at the uh, farmer's market in Las Cruces and just sort of like people would gather around and just talk and shoot the breeze. And um, I can remember this topic coming up and, well, not in the context of um, cults, but the context of the end of the world yeah. coming up. And someone in the circle said... Uh, you know, that people are always looking for the easy button mm. and to think an some kind of yeah. apocalypse is coming to fix things right. is much easier than than looking in the mirror and realizing yeah. like, oh, we or I can make the world a little bit better today yeah. in some way, shape or form. And I always thought that I've always thought That's about good. that since then of like, OK, am I well, and going back to the to this idea of Jesus, right? Like have, heaven being here now. Yeah. You know, am I bringing a little piece of heaven into my day or am I trying to take that out? Right. You know, and how am I engaging with people and, and nature and things of, of that? Um, and, I, and I agree with you have to have an imagination mm -hmm. for what kind of future does the human race have? Mm -hmm. And, you know, and in pop culture, I mean, I would personally... I think the Star Trek future is a good future, mm -hmm. except for the clothes. 
uh, yeah. you know, everyone's wearing the same leotard. But besides Just, that, they were different uh, colored ones, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I could make all one. kinds of red shirt jokes and all that, but I won't do that. Uh, but yeah, so so I'll, I'll ask people like you know hardcore in uh, times kinds of Christians. They tend to also. Uh, be fans of pop culture too. Mm. And so I'll ask them, well, do you want the Mad Max future or do you want the, oh. the Star Trek future? And which one do you think Jesus was envisioning when he, when he taught the kingdom of God in the, in the, in the four, in the three gospels, especially right. the first three. And uh, you know, and it's obviously the Star Trek where there's justice, where there's equity, where there's no poverty. Uh, they can, there's technology that can heal you. Mm-hmm. Um that kind of thing. And so that leads you to another step. Well, I need to be pro-science. Uh, I need to be uh, ethical. You know, all those kinds of things. I need to be, we need to have uncomfortable conversations about race and uh, ecological issues and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And, um, and so I guess that's another part of a cult sign would be, they'd be they're very uh, inward drawn. Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um in gazing, uh, yeah. insulated, insulated against anything in the world. So that, you know, so pop culture would be exited out of the members. Yeah, of the, that they wouldn't, wouldn't be allowed. Be, yeah. So no, no. Uh, so they're cut off from the world often uh, because the leader wants to control the the narrative mm. always. And mm-hmm. uh, that's, that's what it usually is or the narrative of the, the group itself. Right. And, uh, but we're we're on the opposite extreme here. Uh, we've I, I, it was kind of funny watching the the Steel Kids grow up because they love dragons and D and D and just the the stuff that that uh, conservative Christians consider evil. Okay, and so they would come and visit conservative Christian families. Right, 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 right. <laughs> and then the Steel the Kids D&D, are showing them these D&D evil D&D video stuff. games <laughs> and and yeah, dragons and shit, and uh, and they would never come back <laughs> to visit. <laughs> So um, to sort of move on from this, the cult idea sure, and sort of transition, this is the next sort of tough thing when I'm trying to explain, because I think the first thing that pops into people's mind when they think of community living together, it's yeah. everyone's under one roof. Yeah. Yeah. That's, a you lot. know, and, and here at Desert Rain. We're sharing Rain, our, our money. Right. Right. Common purse. Yeah, I think. Common purse. Yeah. And, and so... And we can we can venture down that, but I do want to specifically look at the the living arrangement because it's it's more like neighbor living. Yes. Um, some people do share. I prefer trailer yeah. park. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's almost there, but there are houses. There's houses too. That's yeah. so you can't even say that because we're like, oh okay. Um, and so yeah, so sort of how would you describe the the living setup or the the um, living yeah. arrangements of of the members of of Desiree cuz not cuz that's the other thing some people live in El Paso some people aren't right aren't in proximity here in right, Chaparral but residents. they they engage in all yeah. all the same um get-togethers and whatnot so yeah. so how would you how do you describe that uh when when asked the question yeah so i i mean in our genesis we had to mm-hmm, so two right. families live together um Morrison's and Steals. I think Marsha talks about that on her podcast. Yep. A little plug there. Yeah, yep. Uh, I think Greg. Yeah, Greg talks about yeah. the the cohabitation of you, the yeah. two families, and um, that's not recommended. Uh, you know, it was a crash course, like Marsha said, a, 
of baptism of fire into community. Mm-hmm. But I guess since we were establishing the community, I guess we needed to go through that and uh, and learn those kinds of boundaries that you need and mm-hmm. expectations uh, that are clashing against one another. Uh, to us, it felt like a lot of times the Steels were, since they were a large family and we were a small family, that we were just a part of their family. Mm. But we wanted, but in our interest, the Morsons, we wanted more autonomy right. and individualization. And so we would push back on that, you know, and then we'd have to, we had to work through all the, those kinds of issues. Right. But the goal was never to live in the same, under the same yeah, that was the domicile or anything like that. Just and the uh, there was only one by house. need. Yeah, yeah, while you built the other, and so we did within a year. It felt, I mean, it was a long. It felt like a long time. Mm-hmm. It was very, but it was only a year, and we were able to build our own house. And and then I guess in the 2013, maybe somewhere in that, the teens, uh, the Steels bought the a large property. A large house across the street mm-hmm. uh, that has, I, I guess, what they'd call uh, what is it, mother-in-law residences, or yeah, there's a couple kind of separate two, kitchenettes. A, well, one of them is like a casita studio yeah. arrangement. The other one's actually like a mother-in-law, mother-in-law yeah. type house. And so the houses are very. I mean, the rooms are very spacious, so small families or even individuals can do live in that house, right? But it's not really. They're not up in each other's business, you know. And and the Netty is are sort of on their own, yeah, in their own domicile with it. Where the sh- there's yeah. a shop, there's like a woodworking shop, and then their yeah their house next to that. And they used to live in the dorm house right mm. next to our house, and the, where you live now. Right, 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 right. And we're current and, residents. Yeah, and so things change, needs change. So the dorm house was meant originally intended, and was used for. Uh, People coming on retreats to mm-hmm. stay here, and now it's it's been shifted into a residential. And it's spread out over area. what thirty acres? Yeah, I believe so. Thirty yeah, or forty 10, acres. 20, so it's not forty. Yeah. So even the way we're describing it, you have to imagine there's a lot of space. Yeah. In between areas. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, some would not like that. Others do you know uh i need a little space Mm -hmm. um myself and so so yeah so and we don't share a common purse we we admire we admire communities that are structured that way yeah can you explain what a common purse is yeah so everybody uh no each each family or member uh they they put their uh, either all or a portion of their their monthly income into a common bank account i guess Mm -hmm. that the community doles out, you know. And there are communities that, that are not cults, uh, that are functional communities. They, they have a long history who have successfully done that. Well, and I, the and, one that I am aware of is uh, up in Chicago. Yeah, the Steels uh, visited. Yeah, the Reba House. Reba House, yeah. And they're, they, they're, a, long, they're a long-standing community yeah, and they live with a common, a common yeah. purse. They take care of their, uh, you know, from college they pay for the kids' college, I believe, and uh, and take care of the elderly for their medical needs and that kind of thing. So that's very admirable to us, and, and it's a model. But we decided to just go slow on mm-hmm. that because we're, you know, we grew up capitalists, right? So, <laughs> so you know, we decided, and we, and we're fairly conservative in the sense uh, that change should come slowly. Mm. Uh, 
those kinds of changes, you should do small incremental well, steps rather than radical steps. That was, but that's just us, you know, someone that makes radical steps, that's, that's fine too, you know, but that was the choice we made. But I think that goes back to about what you were saying at the beginning about trying to make decisions or not trying, making decisions on a consensus basis. Right, right. And usually consensus moves slower. It does. When, you know, when you have what, four or five families or, yeah. you know. And so that's kind of where we're, we're at with it, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, and again, it's people's different giftings and contributions uh, that are very diverse. Some are financial, some are uh, work, uh, labor oriented. Others are, uh, you know, creative, creative mm -hmm. endeavors and so social justice endeavors. Yeah, it's a wide, yeah, it's a, it's wide, a, net. It's a wide swath. For, so th those are sort of the questions that uh, coming into this that it were, I knew or not new, but felt were pretty obvious. What, what are some of the questions that you've been approached with on a regular basis um, that you feel? Uh, well, we've been asked for swingers. We've been asked that and even accused of that. And I tell them, wow. look, at, look at my body. Do you think? <laughs> Do you think multiple yeah. people? <laughs> my own wife is a saint to, <laughs> to want to touch this body. What are you talking about? I don't even want to touch my own body. Uh, and so, yeah, we even asked that. Uh, or even there was a rumor early on that was floated amongst the church folks of that course. we were, we were uh, uh Swapping wives and husbands and that kind of thing. And and I had some embarrassing conversations where a couple of pastors actually had to call me and ask me. Oh, because the rumors had, had... Were in their churches, yeah. The, rumors, the rumor mill had drifted yes. into their earlobes. Enough for the pastor to have to call me. Yeah. And these are churches of hundreds of people, not 10. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't like the, the yeah. knitting circle in downtown Chaparral. <laughs> yeah. And so, I, yeah, and... and it was tempting. It was tempting to say, do you think we are? Maybe we are, you know. Yeah, I, push back a little yeah, bit. Yeah, and just kind of have some it, fun with them. Keep them guessing. Because that, that also happened on another, uh, when we first got here, uh, we the first thing we did was set up these seven crosses. Uh, did Marsha mention that one? No, we haven't. I don't think anyone's talked about that yet, actually. So we so we set up these seven crosses uh, to do the devotion. It was, it was, uh, Holy Week when we arrived here, and we mm. wanted, and we were at that time we we're in the habit of uh, there, there's a, there's a Franciscan devotion that's very popular in any Catholic church called the uh, Stations of the Cross. Right. Well, there's I think there's 21 of the 14 of those. Right. I think the yep, Franciscans yep. I think have uh, added a couple more, and, and so it's a lot of crosses. So we set up seven focused on the seven sayings of Jesus from the cross. Mm. And a little, you know, it's a different, it's a similar, but slightly, it's a variant on it. Mm -hmm. And it's easier to set up seven life-size crosses than it is right, 14. 14 yeah. So we set them up in a wedge shape kind of thing. So, you you know, so you can have a group of people meditate on the first phrase, you know, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then we sing, you know, sing and do mm -hmm. some devotional prayer and then move to the next cross. So we set that up. And, uh, and, and I think... Uh, I think Ernie Nettie uh, started playing a drum mm. one night, and we had a campfire in the middle of it all. And so we did. We saw a neighbor across this, the road, out the, in the their, desert their with, their a, with flashlight. a flashlight. <laughs> yeah, looking. And so the next morning, the uh, sheriff shows up, 
and uh, asked if we were burying people or maybe animals at those crosses and if we were a devil cult. <laughs> and so that that became our reputation that we were a devil cult uh, okay. out here uh, worshiping the, the devil. Right. Uh, and that was kind of humorous. The, the swinger thing was a little offensive at first, but uh, but I'm flattered now that they would think that we're <laughs> erotic enough to do that. <laughs> well, and I, I think that goes back to where sort of where we started with this is when people don't understand something, they want to feel that right. fill that void. The they're afraid of of misunderstanding. Yeah, with whatever seems quote unquote logical. Yeah, and so you know whether it's a devil cult or a yeah. swinger group or you know whatever, uh, whatever that might look like. <laughs> and 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 for those that have listened to the labyrinth episode. The crosses or the labyrinth was built within this sort of wedge of crosses. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that the labyrinth came after um, the crosses did. So it, it, it's sort of it's now sort of inter um, interconnected. Yeah, exactly. Because um, before know, that, in the middle of the crosses, the it was the the burning pit for the previous mm, residents. So all their garbage, interesting. They would burn there, and then we thought, yeah, this should be the center of our mm. devotion here, and. Uh, and then the post for the labyrinth was dumped on our, on our road. The uh, what? The post in the center of the oh, labyrinth. Oh, right, right, right. So right. we were we were trying to wait. We were creatively waiting. What should we put in the middle mm-hmm. of the labyrinth? And then this huge uh, stump was dumped on the road. Somebody just threw it on the road, and we thought, yeah, this is what we That's should do. It. Suburbia dumps their trash out here, right. their animals, and and we we take it and redeem it somehow. Yeah. That, that was how we saw ourselves. Yeah, and and that's um, I didn't realize I didn't I never knew that story about the. Yeah. But yeah, I, I mean, since I've lived out here, I've seen probably a dozen dogs dumped yeah. out here on on equipment alone. You know. Yeah, it's very sad. It's a weird like. It's a sickness. In the sense of it's it's weird that so many different people have had the same idea of yeah. like getting as close to the military base as possible and then just like dumping their dog, their last, you know, the last street almost. On one Um, hand, the ignorance is astounding. They don't realize what's going to happen to that dog and their ignorance is just uh, overwhelming or their cruelty mm. is overwhelming. And yeah, it's somewhere. It's very sad because they are not going to the country and having a good time. It's unfortunate. Yeah. It's unfortunately common to, because um, it's probably more than a dozen. I can just think of oh yeah yeah a dozen it's off top very of my head. common. Um, so <clears throat> sort of getting back to this uh, frequently asked questions. Okay. Um, what, what what sort of other things have you encountered during your two decades of either leading up to moving out here or, or actually living out here that people just seem seem there seems to be a misconception or or maybe you get asked a question. That's right on, you know, like yeah. people, people get it and ask a question that makes sense. So, uh, I mean, ownership is the big issue with people. How do you own, oh, who owns right. the yeah, place, yeah, yeah. that kind of thing. And, uh, and so, yeah, that's, that's a big thing. Do you mind exploring so, that? It just, how it's set up right now? Yeah. So Greg Steele was able to get a, uh, a severance package. And you can hear about that on, on Greg Road Steel's to Desert podcast. Rain. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, he made that decision uh, to purchase it all. And, and, his, and that's, you know, and we do have, we've talked about the future, putting it into some sort of a, 
a trust mm. fund of something like that, but it just hasn't been relevant yet to us. Right. So we we just we move slowly mm-hmm. on that stuff. So if somebody wanted to come live here, uh, mm. most likely you'd have to give up your your desire to own something, mm. to own a house, to own. I don't own. I gave up a house, house home ownership to come out here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marsh and I don't own a home, uh, and that was a part of the whole monastic call for us, mm-hmm. uh, a call to simplicity and uh, not poverty, but simplicity. Mm-hmm. And so that was that was how we worked that out. Um, everybody contributes. Uh, you know, we have like a, I don't know, some sort of a... There's a spreadsheet. A, a spreadsheet, <laughs> an equation of how you pay it's, for it's utilities. On, and It's on Excel, folks. Yeah, Deanna Steele takes care of it all. <laughs> Neither David and, nor I knows how it works, no, but it exists. pay the money and... <laughs> To the appropriate people, and they take care of it. Hopefully, right. and well, so, and, and that's—I mean—so that's how my. I, I think I might—I don't even know now. Six months to a year, when it was sort of the quote-unquote trial basis, I wasn't asked to put anything into that. And yeah. then, it, since it's become a little bit more permanent, you know, whatever. I don't even know what the amount is, but a monthly sort yeah, of utility yeah. stipend, yeah. if you will, or whatever. Whatever we call it, I'm not sure. Oh, another another misunderstanding that comes up quite often is people think they're not welcome out here. They think In it's a membership sense? club, oh. membership only, oh. members only, Invite like the jacket only. we used to wear. Uh, and so, so they're they're when they ask, they're very hesitant and tentative about it. And and, uh, and I, I don't understand where that comes from, but it it seems to be a common thing. Uh, when when they ask what if they can come see just the hang place? out here yeah Interesting. Uh, come to a a meeting uh, that now, we have now would you say that's the first time that they come physically come to Desert Rain or does it persist past the first visit or yeah it's kind of people that haven't uh, shown up here yet okay but they have an affinity with us yeah mm-hmm. in a convert you know we're working at a you know I don't know. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. However, I mean, some we've sort encountered... of service in the public. Yeah. Community service, or you meet people. Well, there's been times people have stumbled across the website. Yeah, that. Yeah, and, and, and have so, reached out to you via email. Yeah, so they feel very. I guess because they feel probably they're invading our homes, mm. that kind of thing. Which, except for that one lady that took a shower in your. Guys yeah, that <laughs> happens too. <laughs> we come home, someone's in our shower. <laughs> <laughs> she she made herself right at home because the person um, that brought her thought it was a public space. Yeah, right. And I and I think um, and our dog didn't even like say anything. Oh, he's yeah. Well, as long as you rub his ears, he was he yeah. was totally on board. <laughs> he just looked at them. And, All right, I guess they're supposed to be here. Because because I my encounter was such, and I, I I think other people I've had this conversation with, but. They do once they come out. Once they make it out to the physical yeah, place of Desert yeah. Rain, they feel very welcome. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah. And so, you know, we've had groups out that just want to come and have a star party. You know, because mm. it's dark in the night sky, and we have a safe place where you can just sit and watch the meteor shower. Or come look. Kind of stuff. Or now you can go look for Uncle Elon's starling. Yeah, that too. I haven't seen it. through the yet. sky. Or set up telescopes. We've had groups mm. set up telescopes, uh, that kind of thing. Uh, Stephen Espinosa used to have his geology uh, friends mm-hmm. out, and they, so they would do all kinds of. 
they're used to camping out in the wild anyway, right. geology students. So, so they would hang out. So yeah, it's it's. I guess once they come out, it, they feel. Yeah, it sh- I hope anyway. it shifts a little bit. I mean, lately we have because of COVID, we, we shut everything down. But well, and even that that sort of shifting, we've moved to our outside Sunday morning meetings. Yeah. Um, and like you said, there are people, more people associated who come out here for a Sunday meeting than live here. So, so maybe that's another good thing to sort of explore in the uh, in this conversation is like, what does it mean? Like, okay, so maybe if you don't, if you used to live here, but you don't live here, are you a member of yeah. Desert Rain? You know, if you live across the country, like our good friend uh, Kirsten, mm. but she comes every summer to visit. I don't think she wants to be publicly identified with us, though. So well, maybe we <laughs> too late. <laughs> And we're coming for, well, she, by the time she hears this, she'll have recorded her episode of Road to Desert Rain, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> Anyways, um, so so what does that, if people feel like it's members only, some people, before they encounter it, right. what does it, you know, how does that look to be a member associated with Desert Rain? You know, I, I don't think there's a formal written down thing, but I might be wrong about that. But from your perspective as, as one of the co-founders. Yeah, I guess, I guess it just depends on who you're, you know, who you're encountering. Uh, you know, I, I think if you have, if, if like there's a couple families here, they still have a lot of connection mm-hmm. with the more conservative Christian world. So they're, so they already know there are certain people I can't even have this conversation with. Uh, You're saying like those that I live in a community, uh, yeah, right. a, a Christ-centered community, uh, monastic-like, ecumenical. They can't talk about that with with some people, so they don't never even bring it up. Mm-hmm. Um, is that what you're asking? Or well, I, yes and no. I mean, I mean, so I mean, I do understand that there's that part of it, but I, I guess more of like. Uh, And I, the, I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings, but like okay. the core group of Desert Rain, right? Like, right. you know, what does it mean to be part of that sort of um, group of people that that um, yeah. are walking with, walking down the road to Desert Rain, so to speak? They have been here for a long time, you mean? And- oh, yeah. And maybe they've lived out here. Maybe they haven't. Yeah. You know, what 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 sort of... Um, oh, I don't. I, I think I know. There, there was an evolution in that, I think, okay, yeah, for yeah. the core. Because we talked about it, I may have even mentioned it here in another conversation. So, so early on, we we had a lot more group retreats. Uh, we were hosting a lot more. We were younger, had more mm-hmm. energy. And so, uh, it seemed like back then in our early days, we put a lot of effort into explaining what we were doing out here, even though we weren't sure what we were doing mm. out here. And then there, and then we noticed. I remember the Steels and us were talking, and we noticed a shift occurred a few year in a few years, where it didn't matter about there was no need to explain who we are and what we're doing anymore. Mm-hmm. When someone comes out here, our our uh, vocation is to serve them and to hear about what's going on in their life and hear their story. Uh, they don't need to really know our story uh, unless they want to, right? Unless they're really interested. And if they're interested, they'll let you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so, but but so we became so our, so we shifted our focus on, um, our our job is to really listen to other people's story when they visit mm. out here, 
uh, when we encounter people. And most people are caught in their own stories and they have no energy for your story. Mm -hmm. And we don't have the need to tell our story anymore on an individual level, if that makes any sense. Right. And so that's kind of, I think that's yeah, that, where that, it might be. I hope that's accurate. Yeah. And, and I think so. And I guess I would give my own personal example of that is, you know, before I moved out here, I always felt welcome. And I always felt as I would put myself in a category of like a friend of Desert Rain. Yeah. You know, and then when you and I started talking about the possibility of me moving out here, um, I think you and I maybe had a conversation two or three times yeah. around it. And then there was um, uh, a bigger conversation that I was a part of that where everyone in the community, we had sort of like a round table discussion yeah. of, of what it would look like and um, how that would impact the different families here. And so I, was there was there a conversation other than anything that I was a part of sort of through that process? Uh, probably when you wanted to move in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we that's when we have a community meeting and discuss it. And but I'm saying, so I was part of a one of the community meetings. I guess my question was, was there another one oh. without me? Pre- you know what I mean? Like, a, I'm sure there was. Yeah. There should have been, but right. we may have were very lax on that yeah. at times and probably to a fault. Mm. Um, and that, and that would be another question. How do people come to live here? Mm-hmm. That's another, is our formal process and it's very informal, mm. uh, but ideally, yeah, that would be the, so you'd be a friend of the community. You'd just, you'd show up and start living the, the quasi semi a monastic life right. that we're attempting to <laughs> fail at as slacker monks and and just ha- hang out mm-hmm. build build uh, community build relationship and friendship um and then uh yeah and then there might be a conversation I, i'm interested in, in being a resident here mm. and then we would have more formal conversations well how do we make that happen how would it work and then we try to talk you out of it that ideally that we would try to talk you out of it why are you? Why do you want to be? Do you? What, I'm, what I mean by that is, people have idealistic, mm. romantic ideas about community. So we try to to dispel those right. beforehand. Uh, well, so, and so I I've, think- I've literally had conversations where I've said, where I've literally said, uh, mm. "We're not the community for you." <laughs> I've literally said that. Right. And then, the, um, and then they hang up the phone. The joke was, they hung up the phone and said, "Uh." So when I did their hang up, <laughs> you don't hang up the phone anymore. I don't know. Uh, got off the phone, I guess. Yeah, um, I guess. And they and they tell their significant other that's definitely the community for us. <laughs> and I'm like, they didn't listen to a word I said. Well, it's like uh, the the Fight Club thing, right? Where they make yeah. the guys stand on the porch for three yeah. days. And there's a monastic <clears throat> tradition in that. Saint right. David of Wales literally did that. He would make them stand out in the door. <laughs> five days and harass them and tell them you don't want to be a monk it's the worst thing ever uh, you're gonna ruin your life man but you know I, ideal there's ideal and then there's just people wash ashore mm-hmm. they have financial difficulties or their life fell apart and and they feel safe here and mm-hmm. so so we have that as well yeah and, well, and and people that come out here for personal retreats or just spiritual direction or just pastoral care, you know, we keep that anonymous as well. Mm-hmm. And, and what, you know, so yeah, we well, try to protect that. That's a sacred thing to me. 
Well, and I, I think too, it's it's beautiful in a, in the sense that, like you're saying, there are uh, many roads to Desert Rain. Like, yeah. you know how how people end up here is is it's pretty um, uh, diverse. You know, right. it's, it's no, not it hasn't been one size fit all. And and I think too, the sort of um, people that live here for a season, right? There's been there's been multiple friends and family that have been out here yeah. for for two years or three yeah. years or whatever exactly or maybe just a few months and um that's one of the uh intriguing things when i first started hanging out at desert rain was just sort of noticing that as far as the different the flexibility yeah i guess right like it's it's not like oh you have to sign a contract for X number of months or, no. you know, whatever. It's like, you I know, mean, come if we were be doing part it of the right, I guess we would do that. Right. But uh, yeah, whatever that means. Yeah. Doing it I, right. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> there was a family that said when they, before they moved in here, they said, we're going to live here for four years. And that's exactly what they did. Mm. They moved out like to the day, <laughs> four wow. years. Uh, and so that was interesting. It yeah. actually, cause I've never seen a plan actually, come together right. like that precisely but they're very precise people i was gonna yeah. say that kind of fits their uh, their <laughs> mo their lifestyle um and even i mean even i well even in our relationship you've joked yeah about like you're like you need to get out of here yeah. dude like you're, you're stuck on the you island know, of misfit toys here and i know part of it's joking but i also you know just from our our deep honest conversations i know some of that you're being sincere as well you know it's like yeah, it's like a mix of stuck in the eighth dimension <clears throat> here yeah, <laughs> little buckaroo bonsai <laughs> there. Now you know what I was doing last night, <laughs> <laughs> which you were catching up on. Um, so yeah, so I don't, I don't know. We're at, we're at about fifty minutes, so I don't know if there's another sort of uh, relevant question that sort of fits into this idea of. Um, Commonly incurred uh, occurred questions that have have washed across your desk, so to speak. These people ask, "How can I visit?" I mm -hmm. guess, and it's not a convenient place. So we mm -hmm. we have had people who'd moved in from the region, from another from another state, you know, mm -hmm. even other countries, and they're here for a very specific reason. Usually, it's uh, uh, they're they're working in a in a social justice field. Mm. and it often doesn't work out for the time period. So let's say they were going to stay here for six months. It usually ends up being three months mm. because we're so remote, uh, and, and their initiative is by the border usually or, or in – Which, is, know, a, which is about 30 or 40 minutes away from, yeah, from where it's we're only, at. Yeah, it's not that far, but it's the – Well, the traffic – yeah, it starts to, the highway just gets to you. Yeah. And so we've learned to warn people about that. That look, if you have a job, you want to stay here for three months or whatever, and you have, and your job, your daily activity is going to be uh, in El Paso or Las Cruces in the cities, that drive is going to get to you mm. eventually. It's going to wear and tear on you. You got to learn how to listen to podcasts, <laughs> <laughs> engaging ones. Uh, or learn Spanish, you know, mm -hmm. or, you know yeah, have Japanese, your, something like that. Your uh, Audible uh, app. Yeah, or it's, or it's just going to be. Or if it's a single person like yourself and they work in the daytime, that's been a problem for, for people mm. who've lived here. 
because they get home at night mm-hmm. and all the families are already settled in and, you know, and there's nothing, there's no engagement. So, so it can be very lonely. It can be a lonely experience in that sense. So we've learned to navigate around that and warn people. Yeah, if, if you're not used to being on your own, it would be tough to be yeah. out there. I, I, through a couple of different, I mean, you kind of, that's kind of how the submarine life is, is like you're surrounded by people, but you have to find yeah. a way to sort of like, even in proximity, be alone. Exactly. Because it, it's just, a, it's a weird environment. And, and I would say, obviously, this environment's much different than that. But there are times where, you know, I, I'm just in the dorm yeah. by myself and, you, I might hear you and Marsha come into the kitchen, but we don't even interact, you right. know, for the day or something. And, and, and that's okay. Right. Like that's, yeah. that's just sort of the, the way the setup is it's the and, rhythm of life here. And for me, that was actually one of the gifts of COVID is I didn't realize how much time I was spending commuting on the road. Yeah. yeah and, and, uh, and, you know, you kind of plugged the joke there, but you know, I, had been listening to a ton of podcasts mm. and even that has cut way back because I don't commute as much. And so there's like, there's that, whatever it is, 30 minutes or 40 minutes to fill each way. Um, you know, and, and so not having that commute is I've been able to sort of yeah. uh, look at other areas of my life and engage in different ways um, over the last 18 months or however long it's been. So yeah, I was, um, I was commuting 45 minutes to and fro. To the high school? Yeah, yeah, when we first moved out here. And and that was before podcasting where, you know, so I had to uh, CD, books, yeah, cassettes right. even, yeah, 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 yeah. kind of thing, books on tape. This is the end of CD number one to yeah, continue this was pre- the story. Yeah, MP3s. <laughs> so, yeah, I was like, dang it. So... <clears throat> I mean, yeah, I think that I, I think that's a pretty good outline, at least of of things I've encountered, questions I've encountered. Yeah, you know, and and um, you know, I guess one thing I would add here, and, and maybe you can expound on it, is is if you're interested in visiting Desert Rain, uh, whether you're in the Greater El Paso Las Cruces area, or um, you're driving through, or you know, something of that nature, to to reach out and and um, Sort of try to make, yeah. even if you can't physically come for some reason, make that connection because there's other ways to connect, especially yeah. with what we've learned uh, during this, co- this the past COVID year. Yeah, I'm surprised. There are people, our, our Tuesday through Friday centering prayer mm. session, there's, you know, seven to 10 people joining us just looking at the tree and right. maybe a squirrel comes by, they hear the birds and that's been helping them Yeah, via Zoom. Uh, if you're if you're not vaccinated though, don't come here. That's, there we go. <laughs> I just put that out there. Stay away. Yeah, we, we don't want that kind of oh, mojo shit. here. So, yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, we've we've uh, we've done done another episode, and and uh, I guess the if you if you're hearing this episode, we are planning on doing a second uh, frequently asked question, or maybe not frequently asked, but just. Um, questions i think the kids yeah. call them amas there you uh, go uh, and so if, if there's something on your mind that we haven't um covered over the last six months of podcast uh please you can read uh my instagram is the dorian mason uh or you can email me at uh dorian at cylfriday.com uh, do you want to share your email sure it's okay. it's on the website too the ruin.com so it's just morrison m-o-r-r-i-s-o-n 
at theruined.com. So if you uh, if you would uh, please reach out to us and, and just send us any questions that that uh, you know could fit in a, a five to to ten minute um, and and if it you know if it's a question that takes more time than that we might turn that into to an entire episode. Yeah. So yeah. Um, we we do we would like this to be as an engaging a platform as possible. So please, yeah. uh, please send that our way. And uh, thank you to uh, Monk Drums. That's what you hear in the background uh, for the intro and the uh, outro here. Uh, check out theruin.com. Uh, you can find out more about Desert Rain community there. And you can find our uh, other podcasts, uh, either where you found this one or drcrpod.com is another another place to do that. Um, do you have any parting words or parting thoughts? Am I forgetting anything? No, I appreciate people listening. Yeah, thank you, everybody. Appreciate your engagement as well. So have a beautiful day. Thank you.